the grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, having already forgotten about anything that happened against Pakistan, we look ahead to the three-test series against New Zealand, who crossed the Tasman jet lag, but with a 1-0 series victory over England in their pockets. We'll debate the MCG pitch after Saturday's abandoned Sheffield Shield match, talk BBL finals and some other scores around the grounds. The Duke, John Hastings, is on the show, and Gideon Hay is on the show, our 100th episode of whatever this thing is thanks to budgie smuggler christmas is coming and our friends at budgie smuggler have you covered smugglers towels bum bags flap hats bucket hats socks kids rashies underwear when your mum or your love interest asks what do you want for christmas you tell her to go to budgie and to go nuts use the code champ for free shipping one website to sort out every member of your family this christmas my name is ian higgins and i'm joined by dave edwards to my left and sam perry to my right boys 100 shows any memories do you remember anything? I remember the first one we recorded actually didn't make it to air. Good we point. Didn't know how to record Ghost stuff it. properly. Sorry, Ed. That would have been his seventeenth appearance on That's the show. Right. That's right. I believe. Um, I remember when Brendan Julian put his feet up while yeah. talking to us and just put his <laughs> hands behind his head and just the most laconic, laid-back attitude. Didn't mm. know who we were. Mm. Gave us thirty minutes. Yeah, good point. Michael Atherton. Can yeah. I go now? I remember Michael Atherton saying, "Just wanting to get off the phone." Yeah. Who's the most yeah. nervous you've been speaking to? Steve Waugh? Probably Steve Waugh for mine. Mm. First time. Trembling. Twice I was now. Trem- it was only over the phone, but I was still yeah. trembling. Yeah, I could see him glaring at me. Yeah. Just Brad Hodge in person, staring at you, deadpan. <laughs> it's, it is appropriate, actually. We're sort of we're recording this like uh, in different timings, and um, we've already had... Um, a major guest cancel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming on the show. Well, I've I've said it. I've said it at the end of the show now, yeah. which is the sign off. So we we had lined up Marcus Stornis who came in late, mm. and then uh, and then he pulled out about fifteen minutes before yeah. we were going to do it. So even though we've done a hundred of these, <laughs> yeah. just still shows, a week like, to week proposition. It's still yeah. a week to week. It's yeah. day to day, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, now. Yeah, and yeah. and to the ten other people that we approached uh, as well. Just a nice, uh, just a nice reminder. Just a reminder. Uh, just got to have that scattergun sales approach. Just yeah, approach exactly. as many people as you can, because maybe one of them we'd be able to do it, <laughs> and sometimes three of them can do it, and you're fucked. But you might, you might, you might beat a spot apart. Spotify podcast of the week. You might be. It doesn't, mean, be. It doesn't mean that professional cricket has been absolutely <laughs> fucking out for you um, multiple times per week. Which is all good. Uh, okay, Roller, can you start to the show? Hope MCG pitch. Training. Sorry, mate. Go on. <laughs> MCG pitch. Uh, it's good. It's good again. It's yeah. good again. They, they abandoned the Sheffield Shield. That's yeah. probably the, the most interesting talking point. Mm, um, some of that bowling that Sid was bowling to, to Sean Marsh and Stoyness, frightening. Mm. It gave me like, yeah. like when you don't know what like what vertically the ball is going to do, that's way more terrifying than just, oh, just, doing, just nipping around oh, a bit. A bit of sideways. Yeah. A bit of sideways stuff, yeah. yeah. Fuck that. The vertical stuff, though. This Ugh. bloke's doing these ones. Well, the bloke might be doing that, but then the pitch is doing something as yes. well. So that's that's that must be really frightening. Yeah. It's a troubling time at the moment for the MCGs. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, very troubling. doesn't really know who it is. It's a bit of an no. identity crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been accused of being boring, mm-hmm. kind of introverted. Mm-hmm. Now it's trying to be extroverted and mm-hmm. be the life of the party. Mm-hmm. And is that really who he is, though, the MCG? Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think like watching the footage of um of of that because like WA was still like three for ninety. It's not the kind of yeah, score. It wasn't, yeah. Or two. Yeah, it two wasn't or like three. you know was three Caribbean deck in the mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Huge yeah, yeah. cracks down the middle of it that you yeah. could park a car in. Yeah. And you just look at look <laughs> at some of the um 
the bowling close up and clearly the bowlers were aware of what the wicket <laughs> was doing and they were just yeah. like Feckity and Siddlewood literally just bowling fast off spin mm, yeah. just like just chucking into yeah. the wicket see yeah, what happens yeah. here and great like that, cricket that, the way yeah. Stoinis got hit in the ribs we would have asked him about it later but obviously yeah. he's decided to out for us on 100 throw but um, <laughs> like the way he actually went down it reminded you of uh, you know that Ponsford Woodfull stuff oh, yeah. like from Bodyline you just like an absolute mm. like collapse of the bat uh, what then, is this? Like, it was a real what is this moment. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a professional cricketer. How can yeah. this happen to me? Did you yeah. guys ever see like in club training the nets? Because like, nets famously were terrible yeah. in, like, at every club. And like, did you ever see like usually a first guy had a bat and then we're just like, fuck this. And they just like yeah. walked out. Yeah. It was yeah, a bit like out. that. Yeah. A bit like that. The only one other, other, other abandoned or test match that I can think of is is the Caribbean of the 90s. Atherton, Hussain mm. were facing Walsh Ambrose. And that wicket is legitimately terrifying. Actually, yeah. I think well, uh, Alex Stewart was definitely playing. I was thinking Mark Butcher. Don't, maybe he wasn't playing in that moment a bit before his time. But yeah, that looked like... That's truly scary. Absolutely yeah. proper. Like, we cannot play in this because someone will get seriously injured and yeah. fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. But It is exciting, though, to see a pitch do something different, though. I mean, you don't see that much in Australian cricket anymore, do you? I mean, the globalisation of pitches, yep. and mainstream pitches in Australia, are a bit boring, a bit yeah. old and tired. Yeah. and. You know, we've been talking a bit about that over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. The stadia itself, you know, the gab is a concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. You know, the SCG isn't quite what it used to be. I'm excited about the rebrand mm. yep. at the MCG. I'd like to see yep. where this goes. Mm-hmm. Identity is good. Identity have is a strong good. identity. Yeah, mm. this is. It's actually quite similar to the to the rare stuff coming into the. Like, we need more rare people. Adam mm. Zamper on the show, whispering in your ear, get rarer. I like yeah. this. I liked it when last year against India that um, that off the stadium pitch, which is like a, just a drop in from the Wacker nets. Yeah, mm. that was that was lively and it's exciting. And then they moved to you know having Jackson Bird bowl at the uh, at the MCG and just watch Pajara bat for five days. That was less interesting. Mm. I just like the identity of of wickets. SCG yeah. should spin again. Yeah, doesn't do that, does it? No. Nah. Then you've got the tier two pitches like Monica, though that's just an extension of the Hume Highway. Yep. It's literally a, a bitumen road. That's why Joe, Joe Burns' 180 last year didn't count. Yeah. And then Tasmania is like England, so we don't want to play there. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really difficult to count anything in Australian sport, especially especially Australian cricket now, mm. isn't it? Like, you know, the MCG wicket, too flat, too dead. You know, mm-hmm. ball's not carrying through in the first over. Mm. Okay, we'll put a bit of life in it. No, too much. Too much. Abandoned. Yeah. I mean, look, we are, talk- <laughs> we are talking about two wild extremes. It's like when a company yeah. tries to rebrand itself mm. or, you know... Like, like when Gillette came out with that that ad and everyone yeah, you know, jumped yeah, yeah. off the bandwagon there. Yeah. You can't get it right, can you? You can never <laughs> change the thing that you already are. Absolutely. There's always a counter-argument to anything that happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pete Hanscom last week, because they played against New South Wales and they, they drew that game. I think they lost some time for rain, but that, that game was a draw. And Hanscom came out and he said, oh, the wicket needs to have more life in it. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, oh, too much. Yeah. A bit too much. Which rightfully, to be fair, when that ball reared up and hit, you know, yeah. um, Sean Marsh in the head, I was like, that's ah, probably a little bit too much. Well, that, I think that was saying because it was three for ninety, so it was okay to begin with. It was wet underneath, yeah. but then the sun, uh, the rare sun in in Melbourne, not yeah. to be confused with Sydney, where, um, where I, haven't, I haven't seen the sky for three weeks, yeah. but like, mm-hmm. um, it actually like it dried out the wetness and created ridges from where the ball had been landing. Like just the notion of ridges on wickets, oh, like a first oh class God. level, frightens me greatly. Mm. That's all I want to say. You know how there's a slope. You frighten me by saying. You guys know how there's a slope of lords, words. right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's, then... that's a nice character trait. But when there's ridges in the MCG, yeah. a bit too much. Yeah. So yeah. there's character. Yeah, you 
pitches can still have character traits, is what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. But full blown identity rebrands. <laughs> don't don't try it on pitch. Yeah, don't exactly. do it. Um, okay, so New Zealand's are, are about to come over. Uh, the test match is in Perth. The first test match right. uh, coming out here. Australia's squad is uh, is more. It's exactly the same. Pattinson's in, and Nisa complete the thirteen man squad. Uh, Bancroft is out because Bancroft's going through some stuff at the moment where the balls are bowled at him, and he flicks it to leg gully. Is it, is it seven times, Pez? Is that right? Yeah. He's been caught down the leg side. Yeah or at leg gully seven times in a row. It's amazing. It is amazing. Like I, I find it amazing that people have kind of worked this out because normally like flicks down leg side is not something that attracts a lot of like attention. Well, it's Maybe always like, oh, say. bad luck. Yeah. It's yeah. actually like you, you're, it's a flaw that's been exposed in your technique and mm. you're getting out repeatedly to that action. Yeah. yeah, maybe more guys will get caught down leg side. I'm sure if you just stuck a leg slip or leg gully yeah. in enough, like you know, no one. Whenever anyone enough, leg, is it? leg glances a ball, you don't think, oh, I've got to actually hit it to this particular spot to avoid them thinking I might get caught at leg gully. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Rarely yeah, does anyone yeah, yeah. like middle uh, a fine leg exactly. glance. It's no, always kind of just get bat on, on the it. In, inside edge of the bat. You don't mm. really know where it is. If there's more data into yeah. that, mm. and you look at the hot spots and where it is yeah. actually on the bat. There might be some it's a, findings to yeah, be made. It's a defensive action. It's like when like a bug lands on you and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Like, get it away from me. That's what, like, but also, yeah. like, that angle is like... I like how you did the, the whole move there. <laughs> now on the floor. Yeah, I'm so glad we did this podcast in person. Now. <laughs> Would have missed that over Skype. Yeah. Um, but, like, if surely, like, what batsman likes it when you get bowled at? Like, it's mm. body line. No one. Like, I was thinking, do you remember when, um, when Johnson had that Ashes in Australia and he was, like, just bowling at Carberry? And they, yeah. they employed a leg slip to him as well. And it's yeah. like, but, like, who... Who likes that? Like, who yeah. goes, oh, well, who wouldn't bowl at him there? Smith. He's really strong there. Yeah, Smith, maybe. Kadich. But Smith got caught down the leg side in the oval, didn't he? Well, this is the thing. Costs New the Zealand. Ashes. Well, he says there's one way to get him out, but he's not going to say what it is. Maybe mm. that's it. Maybe it's left armers. Maybe it's Neil Wagner and Trent Bolt. Maybe Smith gets uh, gets the arse soon. Mm. Maybe. Mm. New Zealand squad, they picked a 15-man squad um, for right. the... Th- they've actually got a really big summer in New Zealand. I didn't appreciate this until today. So they played England in that two-test series. Then they had Australia. Then they... Uh, India's coming out um, in February, I think. So they've actually got a huge, huge summer. Even though that test series, as I keep saying, in England didn't count towards chess championship points because mm. who knows what the fuck that even means. But um, Lockie Ferguson might play. Good. He, didn't, he didn't play against England. Excited for that. I hope he wears the black yeah. wheels. Yeah, black wheels, bowls fast in Perth. You know, yeah. it, it, hits, it hits all those KPIs you in keep Australia. Pushing isn't this, it? isn't it? Here's wheels. Yeah, here's mm. wheels. Wheels from Degrassi Junior High. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found something quite funny today. So. Uh, they're coming out here with five days preparation, so there's no there's no trial games. They're just like doing practice matches. They actually, um, because of the, it's a day night test and it's in Perth, right. the way the timings work and stuff, they're actually starting that game six p.m. New Zealand oh, time. Fuck off. Six p.m. Is this New the Zealand thing time. That people are talking about. So they're going to be jet lagged when they play, which I fucking love. Mate, I they're love not that. Welcome to the life of the traveling businessman. Like five <laughs> days to recover <laughs> from a small time zone differential. Yeah, that's nothing. But if you go to the UK, it does take you about a week to get over the jet lag. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure about the distance Find from the way back, across the Tasman over mm. to Perth. Nah, no sympathy there whatsoever. Okay, my, from my point of view, you know, you know, I mean, the, the narrative is that New Zealand are just going to, uh, you know, they're, they're they're plucky underdogs who will mm-hmm. give Australia a bit of a match, but you know, we fully mm-hmm. expect after an hour to, for Australia to fully dominate. If not, mm-hmm. it will be another crisis at the at the uh, the scale of uh, the culture review. Well, yeah, I mean, our inbuilt alpha reflex will kick in mm. in the first session on day one and we must crush them because we're big and they're small and mm. we're China and they're Taiwan. Yes. Mm. I'm kind of wondering like what we want. Maybe I'll put this to, to you guys as well. Like what do we want 
from this series? Because I, I don't know. Because like it wasn't. I didn't want three thirty five from Warner against Pakistan. I don't, still don't really know what I wanted. Yeah. Maybe I wanted like a little bit of fight, but not too much fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like maybe close games. Is that something that I want? <laughs> a bit of a, an interest, but not too much. I don't want like five day bat fest. Yep. They're, they're, Australia's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yep. If you name any style of victory mm. that they get, mm. there will be complaints. Any mm. style at all. If it's close, we won't praise What's the What's the perfect test match to you? Well, it depends who it's like. I don't no, know if it just, exists. I mean, in this culture, in this cancel culture, yeah. in, the, in, the, in you know, the trench warfare of our cultural wars that we're currently in, I don't know anymore. Day one, a team gets 300. Day two, they battle day. Day two, Let New the Zealand other team get gets 300. 300. And then it kind yeah. of, 280, 260, it's tight, goes into the early day five. I don't know what the perfect test match is, is I what think, I'm saying. I think it has to be... The perfect test match has to be finished in the final session of day five. There is no rain delay. Oh, that's a lot of cricket. That's though. a lot of cricket, mate. Yeah. It's a lot so of fucking cricket, mate. Yeah, but if Australia, if, if New Zealand take a test <laughs> to the final session of day five yeah. against Australia, then mm. there's been some woeful underperformance from yeah. people in Australia. Accor- according yeah. to the public, yes. that is. So, so that's why I'm saying that the perfect victory doesn't exist. I remember... Um, <laughs> remember like, what, it was one test match when New Zealand played. It was at Perth and four... Guys got hundreds. Lou Vincent, Ross Taylor, maybe Fleming was in that team. Nice. Mate, that's too much. That's yeah. I don't want, I want to watch that. Ross Taylor mm. got 290 at the Wacker mm. once. I don't want to watch that. No one wants As, to Australia's that. best victories are like when they're not expected Actually, like to Ross win. Taylor. Yeah. Backs against the wall. Like that's that's the only way. India. Except that because yeah, Australia ashes. always expects to win, there's your paradox. If you always expect to win, there's no perfect victory. It's not possible. That's a good point. So Australia are, are, are in trouble. We're fucked. I want Australia to win batting second in a good run chase. I don't want fucking Nathan Lyon run getting chase, thrown yep. the ball and spinning them out on a deck that's naturally mm. deteriorating. That's yep. not cricket to me. Mm. But let me put this like, put this to you. If Australia like succeeds against the odds in a final innings run chase, will the headlines not be X saves Australia? It will be a saving from embarrassment. You know, rather than like, what a wonderful innings against the odds on a deteriorating wicket at test level from this young man. <laughs> There's no, no way I'm clicking not, on that article. I'm not clicking that. <laughs> someone Australia, is a hero you know, and someone is a villain. Head saves Australia's blushes. Yeah. Heads, <laughs> heads gritty 83 of 250 rocks. Mm. It's not a catchy headline, mm. but yeah. Yeah, it's the making of, making of him as a test cricketer. No, why didn't Smith score runs? He's in trouble. Wagner's got him in trouble. <laughs> Someone's flaws need to be desperately revealed yeah. for us to pick apart next mm. week. But one thing is sure, we cannot lose this test series to New Zealand. No. Well, they've only won three tests ever in Australia. I was looking at that record before. Australia's played against them 57 times. Mm. New Zealand have won eight of those test matches. Why don't they like it? Why can't they come over here and play? um, I suppose no one does, do they? Except for India last year. That didn't count. Didn't count to be their two best players. And and the MCG was flat. Yeah, okay. And so is the earth. So the WBBL finals, well, I feel like we've, we've woefully under-addressed um, the WBBL in, in all forms. That's my fault um, throughout the season. But the finals <clears throat> were played on Sunday. The Brisbane Heat won the BBL title for the second time, going back-to-back. They beat Adelaide in the final, Beth Mooney 56 in the final. The Heat won by six wickets. Mm. <clears throat> Did you catch it? Uh, caught a bit of it throughout the series. Um, Grace Harris obviously played very well. And uh, like my understanding is Brisbane were kind of – they were – Two for 80-odd with 10 overs to go. And I did notice, so they didn't need 80 off 10 overs. And, like, you know, 
um, the power game is such that like it's not a fate accompli if you need to go at sort of seven or eight and over mm-hmm. in WBBL that you're going to get it done as you would say with the men because of that power. But um, I did notice there was a few people tweeting, a few experts sort of tweeting going, look, you know, I don't think the Heat can do this. It's too much. Even though they'd got 80 off the first 10, they needed another 80 and they had eight wickets in hand. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, it was, it was just a sort of suggestion that they they might crumble. Right. Um, and it wasn't the case at all. They've won it back-to-back now, mm-hmm. Brisbane. So um, good luck to them. Sold out, Alan Borderfield. Yeah. You've got to hand it to CEO and the people behind WBBL. It's pretty amazing. You know, I, no- I noticed that like on cricket.com.au, like way more people are getting around WBBL than you know the men's shield happening at that time. It's yeah. good. Looks good. Glossy. Good players. Well yeah. done. Growing. And then what we're talking about like having ninety thousand people at the MCG for the World Cup final, Katie mm. Curry performing. Yeah, yeah, it's a good mm. point. Dave, I want to ask you a question. Well it's coming from actually from Josh Gannon said, Can we talk a bit about Kirby Short? About to play a WBBL final series after barely batting and not bowling in a fourteen game regular series. Captains aside from number eight, epitome of selection for strong chat on the field. Can you chat about Kirby Short? How many minutes have I got? <laughs> <laughs> Has she... Was she given the captaincy as a number eight or has she kind of been shifted down the batting order throughout oh, the so season? Oh, so you're saying she's, she's hiding at eight. She's put herself down there. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> and <laughs> if so, well played. That's yeah, a very yeah. strong strategy. Yeah. Isn't the, isn't often we discuss, though, the best bit about cricket when you're not playing? Like if it's yeah. washed out or if you don't have to do anything because you don't have to have that fear of failure. Yeah. Hmm. Did someone else win it for I you? I think the WBBL like, lost a lot of international players at this point in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're getting a few others coming in through the finals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, But it's nice of Josh, obviously, um, with a really successful season, to still pick out something yeah. that's not quite right. Oh, what about this person what do they who's, who's going to do the best thing ever yeah. um, in their sporting career? Yeah. But they, did, they, they batted here and they didn't bowl very much and stuff. So why don't you guys <laughs> talk about it on a, um, on a big podcast? What do you reckon about that? Josh, you got issues. <laughs> On a big podcast. <laughs> My adjectives are flowing today. <laughs> big. Um, okay, well, there's also other cricket happening around the world. The West Indies and India playing in a, in a T20 series. That just highlights that there's just cricket happening always and forever. They play a three-test series. It's one all, as I said, a T20 series. India dropped eight catches. That's probably the most interesting thing that's happened so far. Then they play three one days after that, which all mean nothing, of course, because nothing means anything and everything means nothing. Mm. Um We've got, uh, we've got John Hastings coming up, but before then, Gideon Hay joins a podcast on a big podcast, a 100th show. What has the TGC done for the game and its people? Well, my direct thought is that you've made people more aware at my subtle alphaing that goes on at grade cricket level, and that really hurts me. Uh, but thanks a lot for that, and thanks, boys, on the 100 episodes and all that you do for the game, you make people so much more aware of the colour of our game and how fun it is. Cheers, lads. Have a good one. We're just going to take a moment in today's show to talk to you about Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that allows you to get the key ideas from best-selling non-fiction books from experts in the form of bite-sized text and audio. You get all the key ideas from these books in 15 minutes or less in text or audio. Uh, from award-winning titles by experts who have conferred with the author to make sure everything is spot on. It's an absolute time saver. You can consume it anywhere you want on the go. The topics in the library include sex and relationships, religion, science, parenting, motivation, inspiration, a whole bunch more. There's already 3,000 books in there, yet 40 new titles added every single month. There's already 12 million people worldwide who are using Blinkist. You can just find that on the App Store or, or wherever else you get your apps. And Blinkist have an exclusive deal for you guys and girls out there for listening to the Grey Cricketer podcast. If you go to Blinkist.com forward slash cricket, you start a seven-day free trial. Uh, so, so go and check it out. That's Blinkist.com forward slash cricket or go and find it in the App Store. And that's thanks to Blinkist.
one of our favourite guests on the show, boys, uh, this man, frankly, the best cricket writer uh, in the world, in my view. Um, he's one of the best writers in the world, frankly, in my view. Uh, and he would hate my repetitious use of language there. Uh, so, <laughs> with that in mind, uh, we are welcoming Gideon Haig onto the show. Gideon, welcome. Good to be here, as always. Um, let's start with your last article with the Australian, Gideon. You've written um, beautifully about Mitchell Stark, 229 test wickets at 27, oh, with a strike rate of uh, yeah. 48.9. But I want to ask yeah. you, what about, what about his body language? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's uncanny, isn't it? Um, I guess that, uh, you know, if a player doesn't sort of provide their own propaganda, then what little we have of them tends to get endlessly repeated. And that mm. line that Shane Warne originated about his body language has sort of become somehow a sort of a defining characteristic by which he's constantly being assessed. And uh, that's, I guess, partly because Stark gives rel relatively little of himself. And I've when I sat down to write about him, I realised that one of the reasons why I don't know very much about him is that he, he just he's not very talkative, and um, and that's we tend to underestimate just how difficult it is to be talkative these days. It doesn't come naturally to uh, to, to some players, and obviously doesn't to him. And, and so, are you therefore saying that he needs to employ the services of Roxy Jasenko or something like that <laughs> to help brand himself up? Was, was, that, was that the conclusion? I think we just need to accept him on his own terms. You know, he's, um, he's as he's, you mentioned, his um, his test performances mm. on a standalone basis are pretty considerable by now. You know, he's now got more wickets than Ray Lindwall in in seven fewer test matches. And I was suggesting in the article that I think one of the reasons why we find it difficult to accept him as a top class test bowler is because we're constantly looking at his one day record. Uh, or short form record, and we go, oh, well, you know, he must be, he must be underperforming by the standards that he sets, he sets in those other formats, which is a kind of a prefer, perverse argument. Um, you're saying that um, he's good, but he could be so much better. Well, mm. frankly, how do you know? And in the same in the same process, I think we're just ignoring how difficult it is these days for bowlers to move between formats. We're constantly sympathetic to the lot of the batsmen. But unless it seems that you sort of unless you achieve sort of instant machine-like reprogrammability uh, as a bowler, then um, then you're regarded as a bit of a failure. So do you think that he should be in more or less commercials um, <laughs> this summer? <laughs> he's in every single commercial. <laughs> you say he doesn't talk, but he's you know certainly sponsoring a lot of um, yeah, brands. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't talk. He doesn't mm. talk, and I think non-speaking roles. Yeah, he yeah. It. I mean, can you remember a, a long interview with him, or a, or a significant profile, or even a single solitary memorable remark? So I think he does. He done a what player's he voice do? article or something, mm. but again, that's not spoken, is it? Even though the yeah, word voice is yeah. used. I don't think it comes naturally. I think it comes naturally to his wife. Mm. His wife's fantastically sparky and and really engaging. Um, they will eventually, I guess, do a probably a book together called Stark Contrast or something like that or Stark Raving Man. <laughs> well, that's, or... that's obviously in the works. So you're oh, promoting right now. Where do yeah. I pay for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gideon, do you think then, uh, I just, just picking up on you saying that uh, he kind of hasn't, I guess, decided to use a right of reply to some of the things that maybe Warren has stereotyped him with and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, do, do you think that's a, a function of cricket in Australia? I mean, I'm just picking up on 
Warner's 335, not out now. He's a guy who brands himself up um, very consciously. But it is difficult in Australia to do anything without somebody offering a kind of uh, qualification to whatever they do. You know, Warner hits 335, yeah, but it was a flat wicket, though, wasn't it? You know, or like Marnus hits 160, yeah, it could have gone. It wasn't flat wicket, though, Yeah, it wasn't flat wicket, exactly. You know, like, I mean, there is a sort of perverse, um, like, uh, lack of happiness with anything in in Australian (laughs) sport in a lot of ways. Is, Is that something you've come across as well? Well, I guess. I mean, you know, we're constantly in the, in, the, in, the, in the role of kind of trying to arbitrate on where a feat sits in the, in the great continuum of, of feats. And uh, I think you know, it's, it's, it's perfectly permissible to exercise some sort of restraining impulse on the general tendency towards hyperbole. One of the interesting things about, about Warner's innings in, in Adelaide was that I think it actually rose above the standard of the game in which it was in. It was kind of difficult to describe in that sense. We, we could tell that it was a, it was a demoralised attack on a, on a flat wicket. Uh, but nonetheless, it was compelling to watch because Warner didn't allow himself to be dragged down to that standard. He, he was mesmerising. It was fascinating to watch him go about his work. His intensity and his control was almost above the level that the game required. So it was, you know, it was the most watchable 335 not out I've ever seen. Uh, because often in innings like that, when, you know, it's all one-way traffic and the, and the batsman doesn't seem to be under threat, it, it can get lowered to the level of the mundane and the predictable. But Warner never allowed it to feel that way. Just in the, uh, we've been speaking quite a bit, Gids, here about like just the, the lack of narrative and, and obviously the next series is always the most important one. Next summer, mm-hmm. India coming out and the Ashes after that, T20 World Cup um, next year in Australia. So is this kind of like all playing into this thing of like we're searching for narrative, you know, you know, Warner literally scores more runs than Bradman ever did in the game, but yes. it was disrespectful. Is this kind of like searching for narrative, just promoting storylines throughout the summer? Well, we're searching for timescales, aren't we? We, we? we hardly ever have the opportunity to get used to seeing something before it's over, where these two test match series are concerned. I wrote about that in the immediate aftermath of the Adelaide test, mm. that you know, the two test series signify that they're just not important, yeah. that they're being staged for sort of compliance reasons or because they're in the Future Tours program, yeah. not because they contribute anything to our edification, not because they um, excite us or compel us. We're kind of, where international cricket's concerned, we're kind of going through the motions for money, I think. Uh, It's just not obvious what they add to the cumulative uh, ambit of of experiences that we uh, we have. It seems that we constantly have recourse to previous series. Mm. You know, when Pakistan come out here, we referred to the the, the previous years that, 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 that they've come out, this is a characteristic of cricket that um, it, in, it, um, it in occurs along different sort of time streams. There are different strands of narrative running through it. Mm. And in order to achieve some sort of meaning for it, we have to connect it to what's gone before. But what would you connect that last series to? I mean, it wasn't even a series. It was, uh, we have to find another word for it, like a, like a couplet or something. Uh, they, they, just, they just don't really leave us anywhere. There are individual feats that are admirable, but, you know, in two weeks' time, who's going to remember anything that took place? Very good point, Gids. Um, so now to a series that's about to happen, <laughs> the New Zealand series. So, I mean, we have a pretty weird relationship <laughs> with New Zealand um, 
in, in a sporting context. Obviously, you know, there's a there's a sibling rivalry, if you will, mm. um, but it's kind of a condescending one. I mean, can you, for those of us out there who might not be old enough to remember the kind of history between Australia and New Zealand going back to say like the the Hadley Chapel years, has it kind of mm. changed during that period of time, or are we, are we just the same human beings we've always been? <laughs> Well, we, of course, played our first test match against um, New Zealand in 1946. Uh, and it wasn't, at the time, an official test. It only got that status retrospectively. And then we did not play them in another series until 1973-4. Now, that's pretty amazing when a country is so close to, it and close to us and they're another test nation that we never deemed them worthy of, uh, of a, of a four-scale tour or an invitation to Australia. It's just bizarre. Uh, so, I mean, I guess, you know, that we, uh, we have form where a kind yeah. of, a uh, condescension is, uh, is, is concerned. It's not something that's happened during the Chapel Hadley era. Uh, it's, you know, we, we began to realize that they were, uh, more competent opponents in the era of distinguished individuals, you know, Hadley and Crow and, and Howarth and, uh, and, and Bracewell and, you know, good, good, solid um, workmanlike cricketers uh, who had methods that we uh, that we could respect, and we began to appreciate that there was a certain commonality about us. But there's an interesting line in the um, in the Longstaff review from last year, uh, which everyone's you know tried to forget about since then. But apparently, one of the players who was interviewed by by Longstaff was asked, you know, why why you know. It's interesting the way in which New Zealand has um, has uh, defined its cricket um, as you know a, a kind of cricket that doesn't need to be so bristlingly competitive and, and confrontational. And the player retorted, "Oh yeah, well New Zealand, how well are they going?" <laughs> well, of course they're actually they're number two in the world in, uh, in in Test cricket, and they made the World Cup final, which is pretty kind of remarkable considering their resources. I know it's a cliche to say that they punch above their weight, but they do. And you know, and they're very, very good at husbanding scarce resources. Imagine if if New Zealand had Australia's resources. Uh, you know, Just selling it's, the China. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let, let, let's move to you know the real cricket, Gideon, uh, you know, Clubland. Uh, you you picked up on a story from your beloved Yarras uh, a few weeks ago. I'm not sure if it's still going on, but um, I understand yeah. there was some issue around uh, you know speaking of over compliance <laughs> and regulations Ooh. in this country. I understand in your at your famous you know Yarra at Como Park, Como. games were played uh, side by side. But due to new yes, regulations, yes. that's now no longer possible. Um, can you just sort of paint the picture of that story to us a little bit? Well, Sam and Dave, you've both played at the Arrows, so you know exactly what it looks like. Um, since since 1961, um, what's a what's a big Aussie rules oval um, has divided in summertime into uh, into two. Uh, overlapping, uh, partly overlapping uh, cricket grounds with with separate turf wicket squares, and at various stages in a game, you will get um, uh, players from different games in the same kind of area, not you know not standing next to each other, but but in the general vicinity, facing the opposite way, facing towards those their, their games. And every now and again, a ball travels from one field into the other, at which point the action stops and um, it's actually a it's actually a very ingenious and innovative solution to the scarcity of, of inner city space. 
to have overlapping fields. It means that you get extra bang for your buck as far as um, uh, cricket's concerned in, at, at Como Park. Well, the, uh, the council decided in their infinite wisdom that uh, they needed to put up a few bollards, <laughs> you know, and issue a few hard hats, and, uh, and decreed that we couldn't play simultaneous games. They actually, they actually decreed that we couldn't do it we could do it on Saturdays, but not Sundays a few years ago, which was just bizarre. So um, right. you know, somehow Sunday was a more dangerous day than uh, than, yeah. than Saturday. Yeah. And this year they, they ruled it, it out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Anyway, this year they ruled it out completely without any kind of consultation uh, or any even um, any degree of kind of know-how uh, of how a cricket game takes place. It eventually transpired that they'd got... Um, They'd got a report from uh, the insurers, JLT, that um, that used <laughs> that used hitting data uh, nice. from the Big Bash League to to yes, exactly. I, as I said at the time, I'm so disappointed that I haven't got my Melbourne Stars contract. <laughs> uh, and um, but it's. Once you drill down into the uh, into the council's decision, it's Stonington. Oh, I'm prepared to name and shame them. Um, hmm. It was just nonsensical and um, just people mindlessly making busy work for uh, for one another and uh, you know trying to establish a, a role for themselves. Just you know they'd like that Minkins definition of a of a of a Puritan. You know the. Hmm. the, the Puritanism, that sneaky feeling that someone somewhere might be enjoying themselves. <laughs> uh, Tony Abbott's mantra. Yeah. yeah the lockout so laws are being cancelled, so that's good. <laughs> Look, it's still going. We still haven't resolved it. Uh, we're, you know, we're having death by email and, um, mm. and, uh, and we're sort of drowning in, in meetings. Um, I suspect that we will get a solution that, uh, at some stage. Part of it derives, ironically enough, from, uh, from Cricket Australia having issued... Uh, guidelines for community cricket infrastructure four years ago, where they recommended that uh, there be a three-metre buffer between uh, neighbouring cricket grounds, which is fair enough, but it was only ever meant to apply to greenfield sites, not to grounds that already existed. Uh, but you try getting Cricket Australia to articulate that to the Stonington Council, or oh, just a little bit hard, just a little bit difficult for uh, for bureaucrats to put themselves out and to actually articulate the rules that they themselves have created. So thanks very much, CA, for uh, for all your help. <laughs> Cric- Cricket Cricket Victoria, by contrast, have been excellent. Um, the uh, it's gone right up to the level of the CEO, who understands that it's scarce community infrastructure and the loss of a, of a turf wicket table anywhere in the, in the inner city uh, area is something that needs to be uh, resisted because it sets a, a dangerous precedent. Beautiful stuff, kids. Uh, just to wrap things up, so you've got a new book out uh, now. Um, I believe it's called This Is How I Will Strangle You. Um, initially, I assumed this was a dissertation on setting a leg, tra- leg side trap, should I say, but it's not a cricket book, is it? <laughs> No, no, it's uh, it's not. It's Cameron Bagot's autobiography. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's um, it's a book about incest. Um, right. Not usually a topic into which the grade cricketer would uh, would. Uh, You'd be surprised. Some some the... tweets in 2013 touched on it. Usually. <laughs> 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 anyway, look, it's a story that I got involved with um, a bit over a year ago. Uh, it's a story that um, uh, of a of a woman who's now 50 who suffered. Um, horrendous 
uh, maltreatment at the hands of her mother and father, which have, have, have largely defined her life. And she now lives in uh, uh, impoverished and isolated circumstances in Morwell. But, um, but I, I've got to know her and I've um, helped her put her story down and um, I've helped to uh, reconstitute the, the documentary record of her as she passed through the welfare system, which systematically failed her at, uh, at every stage. And uh, it's an attempt to just provide the story of one person and how they come to terms with a life uh, so vitiated and, and, and violated. Uh, and, you know, she's a remarkably resilient and tough-minded woman who has suffered appallingly and who wanted to tell her story. And I thought, well, if she's prepared to tell her story, then I should be prepared to listen. Very good, Gideon. Uh, that book is out now, I presume, for, for Christmas, it is. and it is. Yeah. Uh, yes, thanks for clearing up. That as is not... Elise Perry's autobiography, which <laughs> you described as cloyingly inoffensive. LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, obviously both plugs of those books are out now. So, um, Gideon, thanks so much for joining us on our 100th show and uh, thanks so much for contributing to our show okay. um, no in all of those capacities over the last couple of seasons. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Good luck. Uh, Dan Christian here. Not sure how you got this number. Um, the great cricketer. Uh, the only thing you guys have really done is highlight why no state players want to come back and play. Great cricket on the weekends. Shit blokes, shit umpires, shit wickets. Uh, and you've got these blokes that spend thousands of dollars every year on new bats and fees and whatever else, and they sit in their office all week thinking about how they're going to turn up on the weekend and just abuse the living daylights out of blokes. And you guys seem to glorify the lot of it. I don't think, this, uh, I don't think you've got a lot going for you, to be fair. Time for another mini debate here on the Grey Cricketer. All thanks to KO Minis. KO Minis let you stream every catch, every six and every wicket from an entire match or day's play in less than half an hour. It's the quickest way to watch all the best bits when it suits you. The debate topic this time round, lads, is should Melbourne and should the MCG be guaranteed the Boxing Day Test Match? Sam Perry, Dave Edwards. Dave, should Melbourne be guaranteed the Boxing Day Test Match? <laughs> Oh, so glad you asked, he goes. Look, I think the MCG is just tailor-made for Boxing Day. Everything about mm -hmm. it. Um, well, firstly, it's we've always done it, so why would we ever change it? Because you must always do the thing you've always done forever more. That's a very good point. Yep. But, you know, it's Boxing Day. Everyone's <laughs> in a food coma. Mm -hmm. The cricket's just on in the background. Just on. Who's actively and intensively watching cricket between, mm -hmm. you know, the dates of 26th to 30th of December? You just want it to be this kind of <laughs> thing that's on in the background while you're walking past a television screen or... You know, listening to it on the grandstand or watching it on KO, mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, you just want to be kind of slinking in the sofa. Your kids are running around you. You're being a cardboard cut out of a parent. Mm -hmm. You're there, but you're not right really there, are you? That's what Boxing Day uh, cricket is to me. And I think you need a boring, terrible deck for that to facilitate that kind of monotony. Mm -hmm. and I think Melbourne's perfect for it. Mm -hmm. Sam Perry, thoughts? I disagree, uh, and I think it's about time that Boxing Day was taken away from the MCG, though not for the reasons that many think. Uh, most people would presume that you would take Boxing Day from the MCG because the wicket that is served up is an absolute shit heap. <laughs> shit tip, I believe, is the official shit term. Shit tip, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that, you might think that's the reason it's not. The, the reason is simple. AFL. 
Yeah. It's about, it is about time that we simply conceded that AFL runs this country. AFL runs the country politically, AFL runs the country <laughs> culturally, <laughs> and AFL runs sport in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cricket Australia's Jollymont headquarters literally bows down to AFL House in Docklands. You know, cricketers have always looked up to AFL. We were lucky enough to chat with Bob Murphy on the show a yep. few weeks ago, who did say that AFL people think the MCG is theirs, although it has cricket in the name, mm-hmm. the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Uh, you know, we, we have to just accept now that AFL really is king. And I think this this will this will be a welcome um, piece of news to the AFL, who've probably been creating this kind of wicket <laughs> to create this situation <laughs> yeah, over time, yeah. right? Yeah. And what they, you know, what can they do over Boxing Day? Maybe they can run AFLX or some shit, or maybe okay. they can run some sort of you know trade draft week or mm. some other earnest conversation about the game. Eight hundred uh, meter time trial around yeah, time trials. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I wait for that. Yeah. Time trial, don't they? Get all clubs mm. to turn up and do their two k, three k time trial. All yep, of the media right. will go to that. They probably won't go to the cricket. We'll have to put Boxing Day at Junction Oval or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um and and and. I think this is the future. Hmm. I mean, I, I, this is really where cricket's going anyway, isn't it? It's just a, really an addendum to AFL. Hasn't the Boxing Day test only been in Melbourne consistently since like the 90s? They, start, they started doing it in the 90s, so before then they yeah. kind of shifted around. Um, but I mean, I don't remember anything that happened before the 90s. Well, it didn't right. exist. I was born in 1985. It didn't mm. exist. Mm. So, yeah. What about, if they, what about if they keep playing it, but you have to play spinners? There are no pace bowlers. Remember when Jackson yeah. Berg got a game there last year? Mm. Yeah, just bowling that, mate. Just mm. end your career there. Mm. Well, have we got the answer there? No? Yeah, I think I think I AFL think AFL should take. Okay, it. <laughs> so your debate wins, and you've decided that. <laughs> I like that. Okay, well that's another mini debate done for KO Minis. KO lets you stream all the action from the summer of cricket with no ad breaks during live play. Visit kosports.com.au or download the app to start your fourteen day free trial. Okay, this bloke represented his country 39 times, was Australia's 430th test cricketer with one more baggy grain than the large majority of us. He has the wicket of AB de Villiers at that level. 239 wickets at first-class cricket with a best of seven for 60. Uh, he's a Bradman Young Cricketer of the Year. Crick Info describes him as a muscular man at 196 centimetres and 100 kilograms. Um, of course, talking about the Duke, John Wayne Hastings. John, welcome to The Great Cricketer. Thanks, guys. It's an honour, and I'm I'm absolutely pumped to be on. Finally, it's uh, it's been a long time coming, I'm sure, but uh, I'm I'm very looking forward to it. So thank you. Uh, is that a subtle way of saying you believe you should have been asked on sooner? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a tiny bit. Yeah. Okay, no, no worries. We've, we've had Rob you guys on do, eight so. times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a riffer, Bobby. He's a riffer. Um, well, John, uh, I mean, let, let's start with grade cricket. Uh, you you played in Sydney grade cricket. Just tell us what your relationship is, you know, to the great code. Oh, well, I mean, like many great cricketer, I used to love just doing the form on a on a Saturday, going out there, strapping the boots on with your mates. Mm. It's where everyone started, isn't it? So yeah. I absolutely love it. Um, I don't get back there very much to Hawkesbury where it all started, but uh, it was very, very nice down at Benson's Lane mm. in the uh, the Hawkesbury region. The flies were as big as small four-wheel drives. There was cows roaming around everywhere. There was a big smell coming off the... Uh, uh, all the turf farms, so it was a, it was a lovely place to play cricket. Mm. I actually am reminded now that I think about it. Jackson Bird, who was at the time was playing for Manly, they used to have player profiles on their uh, website. 
Um, and that was obviously my number one screensaver um, back course, in the day, yeah. Jacksonville's profile <laughs> Manly. And uh, one of the questions, it was just one of those things, just like name, age, you know, what, what you do off the field, all that mm. sort of stuff. And, and one of the yep. questions was, um, worst thing about cricket? And his, and his answer was Benson's Lane. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with him. But uh, <laughs> I grew up in the area and uh, had to play. That was my that was my club. So yeah. it was an advantage, though. We like to think it was an advantage because people just absolutely bought 14 tubs of Aerogard down and um, you just put them off so it was, it was a real it was a culture shock having to go out to Benson's Lane yeah. you, know, for, uh, you know speaking as a sheltered North Shore product yeah. we played at Gordon yeah the big you know was it what's the big road the Windsor Road is that how you get out there yeah I can't remember. Blacktown Road then Windsor Road out yeah. to um, um, and Richmond Road at the end there, so Plus it was about four and a half hours away. Yeah, yeah Nate, that was like the, rap, the rough base yeah, there. The rough yeah. bases there I swallowed a flight Benson's Lane once. Honestly, this thing was the size of a small cat. Mm. Like, <laughs> enormous flies for some reason. Oh. They make it bigger no, out there. No well, that was, that was some. Um, yeah, you actually came through with a very uh, like successful generation, John. You know, you had Steve O'Keefe there, it was Pete Forrest, mm-hmm. there was the Henry brothers as mm. well. Um, before, you know, what always happens to players who are from Hawkesbury and they all chase money um, to, to clubs <laughs> near beaches. Is that about? Is that about right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, absolutely spot on. We were we were blessed with a really big talent pool, but unfortunately, there's seven pubs, a McDonald's, a KFC, a Red Rooster, and not much else in the Hawkesbury. Um, so. <laughs> You sort of have to branch out if you if you want to live in the uh, live in the general lifestyle of, of normal people outside of the Hawkesbury. So it was good fun. It was good fun growing up with those boys. Um, obviously, Steve O'Keefe's done well in playing Test cricket. Peter Forrest had a taste of playing for Australia, but it was a really good time. We had a, a Port of Grey Shield that we that we won. Um, it was the first bit of silverware that Hawkesbury won, and I think it'll probably be the last bit of silverware that Hawkesbury won. Um, but uh, it was it was a great time. I loved it. Are you? Am I right in saying that you played Australian schoolboys footy as well as a as a junior? Well, this is where it all gets a bit skewed because there's you know as like it's a yes or no question. <laughs> <laughs> How many caps? Yeah. Uh, zero. So I played in the carnival for um, the Triple C, oh, the Catholic colleges. Triple C, Catholic, Triple Catholic C. colleges. Oh, yeah. Catholic colleges. So, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah. right. Triple C. That was where my rugby prowess um, came through, but okay. unfortunately, I was very soft. Right. So I, was, I was never going to be any good. Right. And obviously, Sydney is the best city in the world. I mean, what? Why did you move to Melbourne? I mean, career opportunities, I guess. But but what? <laughs> what, what was that a tough decision? And 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 how do you find life there? You know, when you're in, at heart a Hawkesbury boy. Well, as we mentioned before, you know, there wasn't much to do in Hawkesbury. So when someone offered me a two-year deal to go down and, and play the game that I loved, it was an absolute no-brainer. So uh, Greg Shippard saw me play a, a second eleven game for New South Wales um, the year before. I think it was 2005. And in 2006, he offered me – I was over playing in Wimbledon. Um, that was another story in itself, playing over there in club cricket when I was 20-year-old. But um, – yeah, and, and I just had an opportunity to go down, and I absolutely loved it when I got down here. It was fresh, it was new, it wasn't Hawkesbury, so it was it was great. I just absolutely fell in love with the place. Mate, uh, I'm just curious, around that time, there was a lot of New South Wales players who went down to Victoria or went to different states and stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure you know a bunch of you growing up in New South Wales would have loved to have played more you know cricket for your home state. I mean, is it a reflection on New South Wales cr- cricket a little bit that so many great players? I know there's great depth, but there's so many great mm. players are going around in other states who could quite easily be in the blue side at the moment. 
um, and you know whether there's any regrets from you on, on you know on that front that they're you know, you didn't get a greater opportunity with New South Wales, for example, given you've gone and done so well at Victoria. You know, what I'm asking really is, you know, should New South Wales have selected and held on to their players better? <laughs> Look, it's a good question. I think New South Wales do it better than any state in the country. There's no doubt about that. They produce the most amount of players. Um, they've got their systems and their structures really, really well set up. At the time when I left, I was like, geez, you know, I was pretty filthy that I'd... I couldn't crack it in my home state because I absolutely love New South Wales and, you know, being being around there. So, um, and the setup because it was always elite. You, you know, you, you'd have Brett Lee floating in, Glenn McGrath would float in, um, you know, Nathan Bracken with his locks would float in every now and then. And <laughs> it was just, it was every time you'd go, you'd be starstruck. So um, at the time I was filthy, but how it's actually panned out for me and my life at the moment, it's um, it, it's been a really, really good move from really settled down here been you know married for a long time and um live down on the peninsula which is a beautiful part of the world um we get probably maybe five days over 30 if we're if we're lucky um a year but apart from the weather at times it's a it's a beautiful place to play and it loves to turn out pretty well so i was just just gonna say uh john that like you know cricket's taking you from new south wales the vicks you know worcestershire and durham you're talking there about you know, playing Wimbledon in, in Surrey, the you know bit, bit of club cricket, India in the IPL, mm. Pakistan. I mean, has there been a moment in any of it where you've just thought, "Fuck!" Like cricket's cricket's given me this, including being on this podcast. <laughs> well, as I mentioned off the top, I was, I was waiting for the hundredth. The hundredth is you know yeah, pretty special. <laughs> I can I can relax and and put that one to bed now, which is good. But no, you're right. I've I've, I've been very very lucky over the time to play all around the world my time over in england is exceptionally special yeah. i just love the way they do it there's yeah. no fitness testing there's no skin folds <laughs> you can have 10 pints a night and still rock up and yeah. and go out and bowl and um, no one really yeah. bats an eyelid i yeah. played with a guy called uh colonel mustard phil mustard up in durham <laughs> he uh he was one of the the great drinkers but he played 99 first class games in a row he missed his hundredth with gout so yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty special sort of stuff in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so you know, I just absolutely love playing over in England. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, John, occasionally we get what well, one sort of news uh, filters out that you know we have a guest on the show. We occasionally get a few anonymous sources coming in um, <laughs> with um, directions for questions, etc. Um, so this one has just come in, and um, this person just wanted us to ask. Um, have you ever used any products to make your hair appear thicker? Uh, if so, was it during a game um, with specific reference to, to Hobart? <laughs> that that question, that anonymous source, I could probably pin it down, I would have thought. Mm. You guys have Matthew Wade or one Rob Corney, I would think. But uh, Never look, I, I, I was blessed with um, not much hair. So, um, you know, I've pretty much had to shave it of an early age just before i was 30 but um oh, i tried to hold on for as exactly right you know what it's all about Sammy, don't you? so yeah, absolutely. it's good um yeah, really good but yep i did i bought the thing that was referred to as pepper amongst the boys so i just put a little bit of pepper <laughs> bit in the hair to just make it look a bit thicker just yeah. a bit of hairspray to hold it down but in the end it just looked absolutely horrific it would, it would run down my face when i was coming into bowl <laughs> my scar all over my face <laughs> what i've been told is dust <laughs> yeah the dust would uh would get get pretty uh worn i was a massive sweater so it was no good i looked like i'd been out till about 5am every morning oh, so yeah. it was no good i had to, had to put it in the bin 
Um, I'm sure you've been asked this many times, but I just want, want to know if you can talk us through like your first test wicket. You know, Perth, AB de Villiers, you know, nicked off to Clark at first slip. Bill Laurie's, Bill Laurie's on commentary. I mean, <laughs> fuck me, the boys got around you as well. And I just want to like, I just want to know what that like first thirty seconds is like after your life changes to become you know a test wicket taker. What's what's what what's that like? Oh, it was. <laughs> As you said, it was an amazing week. It was Ricky Ponting's. I'm a trivia questioner. Who debuted in Ricky Ponting's last test? And that right. was me. Um, but it was an interesting one because they had the choice out of Josh Hazelwood or myself. So obviously they went the right way and picked, yeah. picked myself. Yeah. For, which the future. Pick, pick for the future. Pick for the future. Great yeah. decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, it was it was special. It's you know everyone just thinks it's you know one you, you get the chance and it's that one week, that one day or whatever. But mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a culmination of a lot of hard work, but of course, yeah. it was, it was actually, it was interesting because I hadn't opened the bowling for Victoria for about eight, eight months. And I didn't know whether I was playing until five minutes before the warm up. And then, um, pup just sort of said before we we're going out, I'm thinking, Oh, this is going to be great. I can watch Starkey and Mitch Johnson rip into the South Africans. And he goes, Oh, <laughs> by the way, Johnny, you're going to open the bowling from the Inverarity stand. And I went, what? Excuse me. <laughs> So I was, quite, I was, I was quite nervous. And, um, the first couple went down leg side and, um, the speed gun must be up that day as well because it was around 135, which rarely happened for me. Yeah. And I was sort of 128, 130. But I don't know, I bowled a pile of shit uh, straight up for the first six overs. And after lunch, for some reason, I don't know why, it must have been a bit of Blistex or something that someone's just put on there and it right. started swinging. <laughs> no, Australia so, never did that. No, I don't think so. No, but uh, we don't do that, right? So I, I, it was the best ball to this day that I've ever bowled in my life. That's Pete caught for a slip. Yeah. Michael Clark, a bit of Villiers, off your pop. So it was very good. <laughs> off your pop. Where does the um, where does the baggy green take pride of place in the house these days? Is there a specific area for it, or is it kind of just in the hat cabinet? Like where where is it sitting? Framed. Well, I, I can tell you what it is brand spanking new. Yeah, would be <laughs> hardly a sweat mark on it, um, but it's in the top drawer of. Uh, it's in the top drawer. I haven't looked at it for a while. Normally, every oh. if I'm on the piss pretty hard, I'll, I'll pull it out every now and then and just wear right. it, yeah. tip a bit of beer on there just to try and get it a bit weathered. So <laughs> 20 minutes of cricket for a Get George Bailey around and just throw yeah. some champagne on exactly. it. That's right. Uh, nice one. Well, John, uh, don't use too much good content. Uh, that's why we're going to actually cut you off right now. Uh, if you want to hear more from John Hastings, come to our live show in Melbourne Corner Hotel, 2728. Any uh, initial thoughts on what that evening's going to be like, John? Oh, well, I think the 27th will be very interesting. I've got a function at the cricket for midday, so <laughs> I've been known to have a few beers during the day, so hopefully I'll stop around 4 o'clock and then um, roll in and see you boys. I'm very much looking forward to it. Corner Hotel is an exceptional venue as well, yeah. so yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, and I'll see you boys when you get to Melbourne. There'll be beers there. Murph Hughes drank us oh. out of our beers at our Birmingham show yeah. within 20 minutes, yeah. but there probably Perfect. should be enough to get you through yeah. the night. Which we had to pay for that tab. We had to pay for that tab, yeah. Lost a lot of money on that show. again, Murph. I'm pulling out the grubs on the sports bed as well. Okay, so, John Hastings, thanks for joining us, mate. We'll catch you on the 27th. Thanks, boys. Cheers. TGC's impact on cricket can't be understated. Importantly, it's given a voice to all the people in the game, the people that have to buy their own kit, a voice to the people that stand at fine leg all day dreaming of a better life when their mates are at the beach, a voice to the people who know 
that tea is more than just Jets crackers and some dip. Thank you, TGC, and congrats on the ton. Hashtag Ask TGC. Boys, we've got, to do we've got four shows. We've got four live shows left of the tour for summer 2019-2020. Adelaide and Brisbane have been sensational so far. We've got Brisbane. No, sorry, we've got Melbourne. We've got Melbourne coming up on the 27th and 28th, the Corner Hotel. John Hastings is our guest for that live show and can confirm that Richard Cheekway is the guest for our Sydney live shows on the first two days of the Test Match. You won't know what day it is because that's when you lose all track of time and sensibility during that period. First day, first two days of Sydney, Richard Cheekway at the Comedy Store. The Melbourne shows, the 27th and 28th of December. John Hastings at the Corner Hotel. It's a fantastic venue. Probably our favourite venue, Corner, hmm. up there. Oh, okay, put me on the spot. Yeah. Beautiful acoustics in there. Mm-hmm. History. It's a great place to perform. Just love being a performer at the corner. Yeah. There's actually a shower in the green room as well, which feels Can very, very mm. at home. Yes. Great cricket. Uh, Mick Jaggers performs there. Okay. And also the Grey Cricketer. I'm talking mm. about the shower mm. now, specifically. Okay. Greycricketer.club is where you get the tickets. You know the deal. Come along and celebrate the Christmas period and Australia going 2-0 up at the MCG after mm. one, one, a day and a half, apparently, mm-hmm. um, if that wicket isn't abandoned already. Should we get into the questions? Sure. Theo Hiscock. Dear fellow cucks, I'm a uni student in England who has been playing cricket for eight or so years and I'm currently having an existential crisis. I play village cricket at a fairly low standard in a team including a one-legged man, a sex pest who resembles what I imagine Nugsy to look like, a man who every week parks his mobile home on the boundary forcing his girlfriend to watch, and several middle-aged men with Brexit disorders. A few years ago, I scored my first 100. This achievement was a wonderful moment for me as I raised my bat to the pavilion, pointed it at my teammates, and followed up this moment of elation by reverse scooping the mouthy bowler who gave my 15-year-old brother a send-off for six. I finished 109 not out carrying my bat and had accomplished a lifelong goal. I'd never felt so alpha. My day then turned up late. My, sorry, my dad then turned up late having missed my 100 to solemnly congratulate me and to watch the opposition chase down a 230 in 20 overs, meaning my 100 meant nothing. Later that night, I phoned up my girlfriend to tell her I scored 109 today, only for her to reply, oh, unlucky, darling. She has no interest or understanding of cricket, so I decided to message my cricketing mad uncle fishing for praise. He replied, well done, only the 55 more to beat me. Thinking he meant his highest score, which I knew was just over 150, as he mentions it at every possible occasion, I looked up his play cricket stats to find out he had scored 55 career hundreds. Fucking hell. Having been offered by my uncle, girlfriend and the opposition team, I questioned why I play the game if even when I succeed, nobody cares. And I started imagining how nice spending my weekends without cricket would be. Fast forward to this season just gone. I've just got my first Pfeiffer, only to find out again that my uncle had several of these. My question is, should I just quit cricket now, age 22? I'll probably never achieve much more in my career and continue to be offered by everybody I know and love. Can I live happily reciting the one innings I ever played well and my one five-wicket haul, which include wickets from at least three half-trackers? Cheers, Theo. Right. Well, Theo, if you're playing cricket to get praise from others... That's really fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, look at Bradman. <laughs> I mean, like Bradman bashing is in yep. at the moment. Uh, he's got a lot of hundreds. Uh, you know, we, we've even dabbled in it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Look at Warner. Warner just hit 335 not out. The main question is, what sort of bloke is he, though? What was the bowling like? Yeah. What kind of runs were they, really? Yeah. Exactly. Were they the right yeah. kind of runs? They weren't. Yeah. It, it is extremely difficult yeah. to just gain... Um, like any kind of normal, un like uh, what, like what, what's the word? Like just, just it's just difficult to gain price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Just un- unquestionable, yeah. like it can't be yeah. challenged. Unimpeachable. Yeah. Yeah. Unconditional yeah. praise. All praise is conditional upon something in cricket. Uh, cricket is not the game to play no. if you're looking for others to um, say well done and congratulations. But the game is literally rooted in failure. Well, this, his uncle's hit 55. Yeah. <laughs> and what a player he is. I, <laughs> all I can say is that show me the scorecards. Yeah, 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 like yeah. I, I think he said it was on play cricket, which yeah. means he was... But obviously, if he was playing before play cricket, maybe that's historical data that's been imported from scorecards mm-hmm. and manual... Uh, way of collecting data. Mm. So again, England show well, show right? me the scorecards. Mm. I want to see the fifty five hundreds, and also a top score of one hundred fifty with fifty five hundreds. Doesn't like yeah. going on with it. Yeah, yeah. Mark doesn't Warisk. like a daddy. No daddies. Yeah, no daddies. So yeah. we've we've then just like yeah, counteracted his fifty five hundreds. Yeah, no daddies though. I no want to know daddies. how old. In my head, he's like a like a sixty year old uncle, but he might yeah. be like a forty eight year old yeah. like Gen Xer slacker mm-hmm. who just loves mm-hmm. bullying millennials mm-hmm. in the workplace. <laughs> like just an absolute. Fuck with this uncle. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who he is. No, nah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's because like it just seemed very Steve Waugh-esque to me. Remember when Steve Smith got his um 200s at Edgbaston, mm. and then Steve Waugh posted an Instagram photo like holding Steve Smith's bat, and it was like it was 15 years ago when I also scored mm. 200s. Always insert but, like, self. This yeah, this is like this, this his nephew has messaged him. I scored my first hundred. Like how good is that? Yeah, yeah I scored fucking 55 of the mate. Like <laughs> why would you send that message back? Mm. Cricket, eh? Fuck. Mm. That uncle's name. David Gower. <laughs> All right. This one from Marcus Olive, which I assume is a burner account for Marcus Stoinis. Um, when recently selling my car, Iman texted me to inquire about it. When I went to reply, sorry, it's sold, clumsy fingers and autocorrect bastardized the intended response to read, sport, it's sold. Photo attached. And he did attach the, um, the correspondence. Is this the greatest accidental offering ever? He replied, giving me congratulations, confirming his beta status. I'm now using sport regularly for side mouth comments, ending on a crisp hard T, which sounds like a cover drive. Hmm? <laughs> Regards, Marcus. This is um, this is some fucking Gatsby shit. Sport. Mm. What's the etymology yeah, of Yeah, Jay chat? Gatsby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. F. Old Scott sport. Fitzgerald. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in that... In that book, he was obviously trying to give the impression that he was a wealthy aristocrat, yes. when in reality he was a new money fraudster. That's right. I'm just saying. Yeah, but yeah, sport, yeah, sport yeah. was the 1920s yeah. champion of, right. of the US. Yeah, yeah. So. Because we've, we've we've sort of delved a little bit into the etymology, but I don't think we've ever got to the cause of it. Because we always say the champion is like it's condescending because it refers to you being the champion of industry. Mm. Is that is that the actual thing? Yeah, well, same with sport. Like, I'm calling you the literal name for all the games that we play. All the games. Obviously, you're not that. Yeah, this is, is a fucking mind game, though. Is exactly. that... Oh, the derivation of sport is an interesting one. I can't mm. wait to look that up later. <laughs> yeah. You are... It's kind of like you are a, a sport. sport. You're a sporting person, yeah. I suppose. But, you know, again, as with champion, you're clearly not that, which is why yeah. I'm calling you that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's... Yeah. It's Inception yep. shit. All right. Julie Rogers. <laughs> it's all DiCaprio movies. Julie Rogers writes in... Um, This is a muse in relation to a subject close to all cricketers' hearts, dads and cricket. When male cricketers who have been subjected over the years to the never-ending yearning for their father's approval and the disappointment that they again fail to turn up to the game of their lives have children of their own, their children are actively encouraged to play too. They then become their own father by refusing to go or just drop and run to their child's games. I can only presume this is down to one of two things. Either A, they are constantly in fear of being recognised by someone at the club and their child being informed that their father was a third grade shorts in the shower wearing no mark cuck with a batting average of 10. Or B, 
that they can at last attain the most coveted dream, offering the fuck out of someone, even if it is their own offspring. Thoughts? Good question, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Is it? The, ga- <laughs> the game of offering is just dog eat dog. Like you just, once you have it done to you, once you are referred to as champ, champion of industry, sport, you want to do that to someone else, to someone less than you, right? It's just, a, it's a cycle. It's a, mm. it's a six cycle carousel. I, I have like, I have plans to watch my son play cricket if mm. indeed he chooses to do that. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's a bit of a pipe dream. Like I'd love to bring my work along and just sit there in a, you know, in a camping chair, mm. Uh, mm. occasionally glancing up. By, and, uh, by bring your work along, do you mean bring your phone, just tweet? Yeah, whatever it is, you know, in whatever we're doing when he's good enough to play cricket, whatever, if it's a Google I hope we're not Google doing glasses this. or some yeah. shit. I, talk, I really hope we're not doing this <laughs> yeah. by the time Ted's you know, yeah. 18 or playing a bit of PG's at 16 if he's good enough. <laughs> I really, really hope not. A lovely thought on our 100th show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Looking yeah. to the future. We'll dive into the future. Well, that's been our 100th show. Thank you, as ever, for you lovely people out there. Someone actually wrote an email saying that they, they started listening to the podcast. They came across our twitter account recently and they started listening to the podcast listened to the first one a month ago mm. then got to 99 like last week it's 99 of this now 100 of this mm. in the space of one month it's a re- tremendous mm. effort from i, I actually forget the guys better ways to use your annual leave mm. probably <laughs> probably yeah, mm. probably uh thank you as ever to sam perry and dave edwards and our special guests who are joined the show who haven't spoken to yet so should i thank them john hastings gideon hay and marcus Toynis. Mm. if one of those falls through well that's just how it works we'll see you next week on the 101st episode of the great cricketer Next time.